living on the right side of the resurrection. John chapter 21, I'm going to begin reading in verse number 1. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, have you, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed him in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Living on the right side of the resurrection. God's plan for salvation began for each and every one of us before the foundation of the world. When Adam sinned back in the garden, God already had a plan to correct that. When God's people strayed, he already had a plan to correct that. When everyone came to admire the baby in the manger on that first Christmas morning, God was beginning to unfold his plan of salvation for you and me. When Judas betrayed him in the beginning of the, cru- of the crucifixion story, God's plan was in full swing. And when Jesus died on the cross, the plan to rescue humanity from the penalty of sin was completed. Aren't you glad for that? But his plan did not end at the cross. Leading up to today, for the last number of weeks, I've been preaching with a focus on the cross. How it is the main thing for us as Christians. How it is not only the main thing, but a sign of great power and great authority. How it is also a sign of the new covenant that we comment on when we celebrate Holy Communion. That it was because of this one sacrifice from this spotless lamb. Without the cross, there is no Christian faith. But we need to realize, especially today, on Resurrection Sunday, that God's plan for your life did not end with the cross. God's plan for your life simply was not about seeing that your sins would be forgiven. Yes, the shedding of Jesus' blood was the price required for your sins and for mine. 
Yes, because of his sacrifice, faith in him frees us from the burden of sin. And yes, because of this ultimate demonstration of love, we are set free to truly be able to love others, not based on just how we're able to love, but based on Jesus. But we could be missing so much if our perspective ends there. If our Christian faith ends at the cross, it must begin there. But again, the cross must always be the central component. Matthew chapter 16, verse 24 says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whomever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. That was true for disciples then. That is true for disciples now. But this morning, this resurrection day, I want to highlight some amazing news for each and every one of us. We get to take up our cross. We get to walk through the various challenges of life. But we get to do it on this side of the resurrection in complete and overcoming resurrection power. I thank God for cleansing me from every sin. I thank God for writing my name in the Lamb's Book of Life. I thank God for providing so sweet a salvation for his people. I thank God for the faith that in faith in him alone and in no other brings redemption. But today, my praise for him is not just that I serve a loving Savior. Today, I praise him because I serve a risen Savior. The resurrection changed everything for us as Christians. For many Christians today, they remember when Jesus' resurrection power was first revealed to them. They were raised out of a pit of despair and difficulty. They recall the wave of love and the freedom that they felt when Jesus first came into their hearts. And they can recall the day when they first, in sincerity and in genuineness, knelt their lives, their hearts, before the cross. And then something happened. Something subsided. Many Christians today walk in complete and total weakness and in despair. They've given their hearts to Jesus. They've humbled themselves before his cross, but they've not realized that the power he came to give you and me is not just so that we can kneel before the cross, but that so we could stand up and be able to walk through life with our heads held high. They've remained on that side of the resurrection. Jesus' disciples in this story that we just read it had experienced the exhilaration of seeing Jesus alive. They felt the joy of having one whom they'd seen die, having witnessed the crucifixion, walk with them again. Any despair, any mistakes of theirs that had become part of the crucifixion story were now a part of history. I guess you could say in a common way, the old gang was back together. And then, according to the story in the Gospels, after he had first come to them, he was gone. He had vanished. And in this passage, what we find the disciples doing is just kind of wandering around the Sea of Galilee, waiting for him. Anyone in the house today ever had a special Jesus moment in your life? Anyone ever experience an amazing retreat where God stepped into that moment where you had put aside time for him and he had done something 
in your life. Something that gave you the feeling of you were on a mountaintop. Anyone ever attend a church service so amazing? I know those who attend here every week are saying, yeah, sure, every week. Was that funny? Okay. So amazing you didn't want to leave. But then you did. And the feeling dissipated. The retreat was over. You went back home from that uplifting retreat or that uplifting event or that uplifting conference to people who did not attend the same thing you did. Did not have the same awesome experience you did. Let's be clear. As wonderful as we as Christians today in 2023 can look at the course of church history and human history and see the impact that Easter had, it was not the same experience for the early disciples. Before the resurrection, the disciples constantly were in a place where they didn't understand what Jesus was teaching. They were constantly not able to comprehend what was going on. They were in a constant place where they had to keep having the lessons repeated, which that always made me feel good as a kid because I was in school always having to have lessons repeated. And they were constantly having issues with one another. Their focus was on what they could get from this experience. What were they going to gain from being with Jesus? Their focus was not only what they as individuals could gain, but what would Israel gain from now the Messiah being here? For me, I became a Christian initially because I needed a savior. I stay a Christian because of his touch on my life and because of what he calls me to do. I have an issue. There is an issue. If the only reason we stay with Jesus is because of the perks that he brings. Now, I'm thankful for this joy unspeakable. I'm thankful for a peace, as Paul told the church at Philippi, that passes all understanding. But oftentimes, that joy, that peace, that comfort, that love that he brings is in the same context of some pretty awful days. Am I the only one? Some pretty challenging times. I thank God for all the blessings Jesus' sacrifice brought into my life. The resurrection power is one of the greatest blessings. You and I can arise each and every day and greet it in victory. You and I can overcome any power that was ever created and designed to bring you down. Anything that was ever sent you away from the enemy or from the people around you that was designed to derail or discredit you has been defeated. And you and I can walk today in resurrection power. Our Jesus defeated death once and for all. And because of that, you can defeat anything every single day of your walk with him. The disciples experienced Jesus' resurrection power. What a moment that must have been. And then he disappears. Now, I may be the only one, but has anyone besides me ever had the thought in any day of your life, like, God, where are you? No need to say yes. The disciples are just kind of wandering around the Sea of Galilee. Then Peter says, you know what? Nothing better to do. I don't know where God is. 
I'm going fishing. I'm going fishing. I'm going back to what I used to do. I'm going back to the ways I walked in before. This circumstance is dire, so I'm going back. I don't know where Jesus is, so I'm going back to the way life was. I'm going fishing. The moments we had with Jesus were nice, but I guess since I'm not sensing anything happening, or I'm not sensing anything ahead of me, or I don't see him, I guess it's over. We had a good time. It was a nice run. I took some great pictures. But time to come back to earth. Might as well go back to my old life, my old ways, my old friends. I want to declare for everybody in the house today and anybody listening to me on, on our live stream or watching it on, on replay. Once you have tasted of the goodness of God, there is no going back. There is no life without following him. The old ways will never be able to present the joy, never be able to present the fulfillment, never be able to present the happiness that they did before because there's only one person who can fill the Jesus part of your heart and that person is Jesus. Because now you've tasted not of joy, but of real joy and pure joy. They went fishing. And they caught nothing. Nothing. That's what going back to the other side of your walk will do. It will produce nothing. That's what going back to the other side of the resurrection in your life will bring. Nothing. Then Jesus calls out to them from the shore. Aren't you glad Jesus still calls to people today? Aren't you glad he doesn't just leave us wandering by the Sea of Galilee or whatever the sea is in your life? No matter what disappointments you face, no matter how far you may have traveled from him, Jesus is still in the business today of calling to his people. Jesus still calls. And I have to laugh at what he said. Y'all catch anything? That's a paraphrase. As I said on Friday, there's nowhere in Greek or Hebrew where the Bible ever says the word y'all. But Jesus knew the answer to the question. He knew where they were emotionally. He knew where they were spiritually. He knew the issues that were gripping their hearts. He knew how they had decided to try to handle things in their own knowledge, in their own emotions, in their own feelings. Going back to what is familiar. So I perceive when he's calling out to them, did you catch anything? He's basically saying, how's that working for you? And they tell him, we haven't caught anything. But Jesus knew that. We all need to realize that we need to express those things from our heart, even though Jesus already knows them. He loves to hear the voices of his children. He is our only possibility of finding in those challenging days You know, the ones that begin with the word Monday and end with any other day of the week. The only possibility of us finding that peace, that comfort, that strength is in Jesus. Jesus tells them, 
well, you tried this. Try the other side of the boat. Hopefully we come to understand a deep truth about walking with the Lord. Even if what you're doing is a good thing. Them going fishing wasn't necessarily a bad thing in and of itself. But it's different when the thing you're doing is not just a good thing, but a thing God has told you to do. I've come to a point in my walk with the Lord and in my life that I'm not interested in a lot of good ideas. I only want God ideas in my life because those are the ones that are going to last. And they cast their nets on the other side and they catch a huge amount of fish. I know it had to be the Holy Spirit guiding the gospel writer John because nobody's going to stand there and count the number of fish. And it says there were 153. You and I in our cynicism would probably say, did he miss one? Did he count one twice? I'm going to go with the Holy Spirit. 153. Their nets began to break. And what does Peter do? He makes a beeline for the shore and for Jesus because he realizes that that's where he needs to be. They were all able to recognize the blessings of God. That is one of the greatest blessings that resurrection power brings into your life and into mine. Not just the blessings themselves, but the ability to be able to see them, the ability, the ability to be able to recognize them. So many people I know have so many blessings in their lives, and yet because of this or that are unable to see them, are unable to appreciate them. Church, God has blessed his people. A mind and a heart that can see the hand of blessing, even in difficult seasons. So Peter jumps out of the boat and says, I must have Jesus. Anybody here in that same place who wants to, to be able to say, I must have Jesus. That was living on the right side of the resurrection. Yes, we thank God for his provision. We praise him for his physical healing. We give him glory for the protection that he has given us in so many ways. And we honor him and glorify him for his presence in our lives. But for all of those clear blessings... I am grateful not just for the blessings, but for a mind that can see them, that I can recognize them. Jesus didn't just bring good days into my life. Oh, he has. He, did, he didn't just provide peace and peace of mind, which he has. He didn't just free my heart so that I could love people even when they're not very loving toward me. He didn't just change my life. As the, Paul says to the church at Rome, he has transformed my life. And since that day, I have never been the same and never will be. So many Christians today walk in a life that's stuck. They experience the humbling of their lives and the humbling of their uh, hearts at the cross, yet still walk in guilt. They agree that their sins have been forgiven because they've placed their faith in Jesus Christ, yet they still live with shame. Well, they once knew the taste of an abundant life that he came to give his people, but then something happened. Most of you know me. I'm never going to be one who will avoid dealing with issues and call it faith. That's not me. I don't believe in saying everything's okay if it's not. 
That's lying. But when things aren't going my way, when things aren't going your way, and notice I said when, not if. But pastor, everything has gone my way my entire life. Liar. (laughs) Who are you trying to kid? But when things aren't going our way, I need to ensure as I try to move forward to move things in a different direction that I'm casting my nets on the right places, that I'm casting my nets on the right side of the resurrection, that I'm casting my net, my life on Jesus. Living for what satisfies my flesh is casting my net on the wrong side. Living for my pleasures in life and what I want is casting my net on the wrong side. Placing me at the center of the universe is casting my net on the wrong side. And I've said this before, since I should not be at the center of the universe, I should not be at the center of any universe, especially my own. But balancing all of that out. Ignoring myself and never taking time and and taking care of me is also casting your net on the wrong side. Jesus is saying to all of us today, cast your nets, cast your life, cast everything on me, on Jesus. Why? Two reasons. One's from the story we just read. When they cast their nets where Jesus told them to cast them, they turned failure to victory. Could anyone use a little bit more victory in your life today? Could anyone, would anyone like to experience that on a daily basis? They listened to Jesus and victory was the experience. They listened to Jesus and empty became abundance. They listened to Jesus and failure turned into something that was behind them. That's the first reason that we should cast our nets on him, cast our lives on him. The second reason is found in a verse most of you know, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Jesus hung on a cross so you wouldn't have to so that you wouldn't have to. There are many people in this life who on various crosses would like to pin you there and keep you there forever. Life can make you feel like that's where you belong and you can't walk anyplace else. The devil, the enemy that we have, will tell you that you should be there right now today. And if your faith is not in Jesus Christ, the devil may have a point. But I'm here to declare to him and to everybody else that today, because I serve a risen Savior, there's no cross that I need to hang on. I can rise from the grave and walk from the tomb in power and in victory. I carry my cross, but Jesus took the penalty. So I can walk in resurrection power, not in crucifixion guilt. Again, I thank Jesus for the sacrifice he made for me. I pray I will always remember what he did for me and what he showed me through the image of Calvary. We need to understand what he did for us on the cross. 
But I also need to, while I'm keeping in mind the image of the cross, I need to every day remember the image of an empty tomb. You get to walk free today. Jesus is alive. Oh, you didn't hear me. Jesus is alive. And so are you. Because of what Jesus did, if your heart is fixed on him, if your nets are being cast, your life is on him, then you are alive today. Now, I am a practical man. I don't believe in so many of this positive confession. I'm trying to think of a nice theological term, junk. We all go through very real very challenging times. It rains on everybody. Christians get sick. Christians die from those sicknesses. Christians experience pain. Christian marriages have issues. And some Christian marriages don't survive. Christians lose jobs. Christians experience depression. Christians experience loss. We all have crosses to bear. We all have burdens to carry. So how can we move from those places of burden, from those places of despair, toward a place of victory? It begins by where we cast our nets. We need to cast them on the right side of the resurrection. That no matter what we go through in life, no matter what we experience, to understand that he didn't just die for me, he rose for me. That I could have power to overcome any foe that comes against me. It starts with where you cast your nets. Where do you cast your life? There's nothing else to go back to. No other place to try. No other option for us as believers. Cast your life on the resurrection. A power that can overcome any foe. Any foe that's sent to bring you down. And that's the reality. You have enemies. I know that's not the most uplifting Resurrection Sunday thing to say toward the end of a message. But you have enemies, but you also have a risen Savior. He truly is in the world today. And I know, like the song we sang says, that he is living, no matter what anybody else says. I see his hand of mercy. I hear his voice of cheer. And in all those difficult seasons of life, just the time I need him, he's always near. He lives. He lives. Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives. He lives salvation to impart. You ask me how I know he lives? I read it on TV. I caught it on Instagram. No, I'm not going to catch it on Instagram. And you're definitely not going to catch it on Twitter. You ask me how I know he lives? He lives within my heart. Stand with me, please.